guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And I'm excited for this episode. It was an episode that was submitted by a fan. Yeah, this um, was a question a listener posed to us on Instagram and said, basically, what cars would you buy for a given set of money? Right. 5000 10000 15, and $20,000. Well, he didn't say fifteen, and I never said fifteen. but you added fifteen. I in added the middle, 15 Which makes things a little bit awkward because... Some it, of them cross over. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover between 15 down to 10 and 15 up to 20. Well, I don't think we're going to agree on anything anyways, so this will just be entertaining. I'm guessing you're probably right. All right, before we get into it. Yes, let's talk about our awesome sponsor, WeatherTech. So, Chris, you were just complaining to me about summer being over. But you know what I really love about Did this weather? Did you know that the first day of fall was just the other day? I know. Yeah. It's done. Summer's gone. It's over. But you know what I love about this weather is being able to roll down your windows and enjoy that fall breeze. That's right. You have, do you have ever like run the windows down when it's really, really cold and then have the you heat have the heat on? Yeah. So it's like the mix. I like yeah. That. But it's less than ideal to do that when it's raining out, as it often is this That's time true. of year. That's true. Unless, of course, you have the WeatherTech side window deflectors. They guard against rain entering your vehicle when the windows open. Rain stays out while still allowing that fresh fall air to come in. They're made from high-quality acrylic. They're custom fit to make and model of your vehicle. It can easily be installed with the window channel without the need for exterior tape or any rigmarole like that. Rigmarole? You rigmarole. are from Wisconsin. Is that a rigmarole? That's a... That's an that's Wisconsinism right there? It is now. Okay. Well, regardless, they're available in both light and dark tint for most vehicles. So head over to WeatherTech.com to find the right fit for your vehicle. Also, be sure to check out WeatherTech.com slash Overcrest for a chance to win one of the 20 $20 gift cards they're giving away to our listeners. All right. So before we do get into the list of cars... I sent you a text <laughs> earlier this week that we you should did. that we should build an electric car. And for I for how much you don't like all of the new modern electric cars coming out and the autonomous driving. When did I say that? I don't know. I feel like that's just your thing. Of course I don't I don't like it because I see it as the it's not that I don't like the technology because I'm a, I love technology. I'm kind of a technology dork. I love, mm -hmm. you know, I love it. I love I've been taking computers apart since I was a little kid. It's very, very interesting to me. Okay. What I don't like is that I see it as an encroachment on my rights to do what I want. Okay. Which is drive what I want, which may or may not be an electric or internal combustion engine car. Yes. I see it as the revocation, the future revocation of what I want to do is, is how I perceive it. Understood. So it's not that I don't like the cars or the concept. Of course, the noise kind of irritates me. Yeah. And in Monday's episode, you'll hear why. <laughs> but uh, I think the idea of, you know, an electric car that you made yourself is still really, really cool. Yeah. There's still a lot of time, effort, blood, and sweat, as and brains, apparently, and, <laughs> yeah. and IQ, and, and a lot of gray matter that I may or may not have. Yes. So I thought it would be cool to just pick a car. First of all, what car would you do if you were going to swap one in? So it has to be old enough where that's really cool. You can't take like a 2000 no, no, Toyota be something, old. right? You, you have to make it old. I think so it's it should a cool be, hot rod. I, th I think it should be a sedan. Why a sedan? I think it would be something that, you know, it would be, it's already quiet. Okay. You could have like a quiet, comfortable, really nice driving experience. But then when you hit your, hit the, the gas, I guess. The accelerator. We hit, we'll call it the accelerator. We'll hit the watts. You know, we'll hit the watts. <laughs> when you hit the watts. When you hit the watts. Put the metal to the metal and the watts are flying. Yep. Get the watts going. The tires are just destroyed. Yeah. So I thought maybe like a. You won't like this, but I thought maybe like a 300E, like a Mercedes 300E, no. or a 190E, or something like no. that, or an E34 5 Series would be another good choice. Yeah. Um, 
I don't not where I would go. An alternative would be a really nice hatchback of some sort. Yes. You're like getting me a, closer in that um, one. Like a Mark II GTI, perhaps. Right. Yep. But I still would like to do something rear-wheel drive. Agreed. Which makes it more sedan, German sedan-ish. Because mm. most rear-wheel drive cars are going to be like a German sedan. I thought about doing an E30 BMW, but that's, that's like... That's cooler. But those are so expensive. Why, you have why, to have a cheaper chassis. Ask, answer me this. What's why that? is an E30 yeah. cooler than a 190E? Because it's still compact. So is a 190E. They're I the same size. Like I don't know anything about it. It's Mercedes. It's an old grandpa car. That's all <laughs> you, it is. You need to justify it to me. Don't be that guy. It's a Mercedes. It's an old grandpa car. Okay. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with the merits at all. No. It's just your crooked, incorrect perception. It, it's my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> Mr. Encyclopedia thereof. Yes, yes. Okay, so what What about you? What, what car would you do? Yeah, I would do something rear-wheel drive. And what's cool about an electric motor, I mean, it's smaller. It's more compact. You can put the battery pack wherever you want. So what if you go really outside the, the box and say, well, I want a, a Mark One Golf that I'm going to make rear-wheel drive. Oh. I know it gets more convoluted. I, I would like something that's already rear-wheel drive. It makes okay. it so much easier, I think. Yeah, but it would almost have to be rear engine then, too. Because if you're running a drive shaft now, all of a sudden, that doesn't make sense. Just, I, I guess I don't know how the coupling works. I don't know. How you know what I mean, though? Why put a small electric motor up front in the engine bay and then have all this power transmitted through an old fashioned drive shaft, through the differential? But at least on else. like a rear wheel drive, like on most front wheel drive cars, there's the spare tires back there. Yeah. And the gas tank is going to be in the way. I got it. Fiat 500, the old one. Rear engine, transaxle, throw it right back there. Uh, what about a 356 like a rusty 356 i like that idea a lot yeah what if if we can find like some sort of 356 chassis that uh i don't know that sounds really expensive doesn't it yes it it does unless someone has one they don't know what they're sitting on maybe saw one in a field somewhere maybe maybe (laughs) anyway that would be ideal and yes we should totally look into that a nissan leaf is like 140 or 200 horsepower right so okay so we talked about the the chassis we'd put it in now what do you use to power it i think the nissan leaf is the best bet okay it's cheap first of all you can buy a running nissan leaf drive it to whatever you're going to do for six seven eight thousand dollars okay you could probably get a wrecked one for way less i imagine one that just been creamed or something yeah and you could buy the motor and everything else okay you could just do a direct swap right you do just take the harness, take the whatever you need. I don't know. Here's the in, thing. In I a don't perfect know. world, yes. <laughs> I don't. Well, this is not that much different than when you have a gasoline engine because you've got the immobilizer. You've got these other things. A modern a, gas a, engine, yeah. A modern gas engine. The instrument cluster needs to read the key, needs to read the ECU. You basically I'm, need to move every single thing over and just bolt it into the different chassis. So you could theoretically do that with a Nissan Leaf. Theoretically. You just take what you need, trim off what you don't. Sure. And, you know, be done with it. Like, obviously, you're not going to need the, the stuff, the harness for the lights and everything else like that. And I doubt. The How are you going to power lights then? Oh, boy. <laughs> I guess I don't know how much Off of the, the alternator. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, I think you could probably. Man, yeah, I don't know. Where no, I think you literally take to. everything. Okay, so you could, let's say you take, but the thing is, I don't know how to make all that stuff work. It used to be back, like, you could get a tax signal. It was easy, but you're not going to have a tachometer. So how do you. No, you, you take, you take the whole dash as well. All the instruments. Yes, I think you are correct. That's the only, That's I shouldn't say it's the only, that's the easiest way to make it happen without a, an electrical engineering degree. I think what you, pro, here's what I would do is I would take the instrument cluster and shove it under the dash and zip tie it up there somewhere Yeah. and find a way to at least get the speedometer to work. With it, with some cars, it, maybe you can figure out a way, to, the electronic speedometers, you could find a way to interpret sure. a, some sort of uh, trigger wheel sensor off of 
whatever. You know, you could figure out a way to make well, it work. Well, depending on how old our chassis is, it's just going to be a mechanical cable down to either the front wheel or the transmission that doesn't No, exist. that's not how they work. They usually run they off, go the off the trans. They go off the trans. They, yeah. work, they go off the, the ring gear, mm-hmm. typically, at least on a Volkswagen. They go off the ring gear um, or they go off of... Yeah, I think it's usually a part of the transmission, Volkswagen which Beatles we're not went going off to of the front uh, tire, though. It, Volkswagen Beetles did. Mm-hmm, pretty well, sure. I don't want to do a Volkswagen Beetles. So that doesn't matter. Um, some have, some have, a, but a magneto, like an electric pickup. Yeah. And you could maybe find out a way to convert the signal that because it's getting the signal from somewhere. The leaf is. It's getting a rotational signal from something. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's got to be from. They I'm, have a. It has a differential. It's got to have a differential. Sure. Otherwise, yeah. how the fuck is it going to turn? Right. Okay. <laughs> so it's got to have some sort of, I don't know, is there a transfer case on that that runs the, the electric motor? Does, like, is or does a, it just run in reverse? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how any of this works. Can you theoretically go just as fast in reverse as you can in forward? I would think. Why not? I like it. Let's do it. Okay. So, and then there's the option of, okay, what if 150 horsepower, 200 horsepower isn't enough? You can throw way more voltage at these things, way more yes. wattage, and you can get up to 300 wheel horsepower out of these. Out of a leaf. Out of a leaf. But then you're running custom controllers and custom parts, and it starts just getting wild. You sent me an article or like a thread about this, and I just started reading the first couple entries, and I was like, this is all Greek to me. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. It's like people are basically taking raspberry pies and making their own, like... Which... Some people don't know what a Raspberry Pi is. We're not talking uh, about a Pi that you bake. No, it's like it's a, like a little computer. It's like a custom computer where you can put different yeah. chips on it. You right. can write your own software. Blah yep. blah blah blah. They're basically yeah rewriting all. It's of it. open source stuff, and there's people that are basically writing their own to do whatever they want. And that is the future of hot rodding. And I want to learn. I want to be part of it. I want to. I want to understand. I want to try. Yeah. So you just have to decide if you want to pony up the money to do it or not. <laughs> Oh, like you're serious about this? Yeah, yeah, I am. I think it would be a lot of fun. Let's find that chassis first. Yeah, let's see what we can find. If anybody has any good ideas for chassis, we might fight about this a little bit, um, but I think it should be something comfortable. I think it should be something where it's quiet and comfortable, and you can't tell that it's... Because I don't want it to be stupid with wide tires and all this other stuff. I'd like a rear-wheel drive car with meaty... My C43 AMG would be a great car for it because it's, you know... Whatever. I know you don't like Mercedes, so pick something else. Pick a BMW or... Even like an A6 or something. I just don't... Like, why? That doesn't do it for me. An A6? Yeah, that's what all these Mercedes are that you're talking about. No. They're just boring, sedate German sedans. But we make it not boring. All right, so $5,000. Let's talk about the cars we would buy for $5,000. All right, $5,000. My number... Not my number one cars. I have so. So how many do you have? How did because we both did this independently? I did three cars each. What did you do? I did more for five thousand because I kept finding cars for five (laughs) thousand I liked. All right, so I went a little overboard. I picked three cars and then I found out a bunch of information about the cars. You know me. I like it. So I try to find out like interesting things about all the cars and then I will explain why I want it. So the the problem was is that I was going to do like um, the logical choice, the cheap choice, and the bad choice, and then my choice. But then I realized that for many of these, the bad choice and my choice are the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> They're exactly the same. Okay. Um, so, and I also noticed that getting a cool car to lower price is getting harder and harder. And it's weird that the higher you take some of these cars that used to be cheap, yep. and all of a sudden they're in this higher bracket, and I'm suddenly uninterested. 
Yeah. I'm not interested because in that Because kind of what made it cool was the fact that it was so attainable. That's right. So there's cars that are in are not on this list that yes. would have been on it before, yes. but they're not because they've now gotten too expensive. Okay. So I'm going to, because I have one more than you, I have four in this bracket, yep. and you're going to go way more in depth than I am. I'm just going to start us off with this. Great. Do you want to go back and forth? Yes. Let's okay. go back and forth. All right. So the most obvious, this is probably on everyone's $5,000 list, except for yours, Chris, is the Mazda Miata. The NA chassis, the very first one. I found one on Auto Trader, a 1997 Mazda Miata MX-5, black on black, the last year of their first generation, the 1.5 liter five-speed, only 97,000 miles, had a recent timing belt, water pump, stock exhaust, alignment, blah, blah, blah. This is basically the cleanest example I could find for the $5,000 price range, and it's stock, bone stock. Doesn't need it. Is it rusty? No, it's clean. And it's interesting because you look at these, the NA chassis, the old school pop-up headlight ones, yep. are worth more now and more desirable than the next generation, the NB, which is basically the exact same chassis, but instead of pop-up headlights, they did regular do, do traditional people, headlights. Do people backdate them? I don't is that know. A thing? Like they do with Porsche stuff? I wonder they if they do. I bet we'll be Not yet, but it sounds that. like as these get more valuable, you might see some people doing some backdates. I bet you would. I still am yet to drive a Miata. Yeah, I've driven one short amount. It's it's what you expect. I mean, it's the fact that they're just they're tossable, they're light, they're not powerful, but they're just simple. And that's what I like. Sure. I mean, I can appreciate that as a simple car. All yes. right. So mine is the Audi URS4. Yes. And I found one. Oh, I forgot about this. Okay. So I know um, I kind of almost want to buy this car. So I know a lot of these you're like, do I talk about it? Uh, yeah. So I found one on Craigslist. It's yep. 50, it's 5800 bucks. Oh, you're above our price range, Chris. Well, 5,000, 5,800, you could let's say you talk them down 800 bucks. Fine. Okay. It's 5,800 bucks. If it's still within the number that's included, yeah, right. it's fine. $5,800, okay. 5,000, whatever. Give me some cut me some slack. This thing's right. only got 103,000 miles on it. It's a one owner car. It is funny that I said only 97,000 and you're only 103. It's like it's very relative, isn't it? <laughs> only. <laughs> well, for these cars, it specifically is. Yes, because these things are bulletproof. It, they they regularly go 300, 400,000 miles. Yes. Um, so this car was produced from 91 to 94. Do you know yep. what the UR means? It's original in German. It is. It literally means ancient ancestor. Literally is what it oh, means. Oh, that's cool. But in this case, it means original. And it's essentially an Audi 100. And it was going to originally be called the Audi 100 S4. But as huh. you know, later on, they dropped the Audi 80, Audi 90, yep. Audi 100 in lieu of A4. A5. Interesting. Or, well, not A5. For so many S4 years, came before any of the A4 right. so, nomenclature. Um, the 20-valve turbo engine and the mm -hmm. Quattro is the reason to own this car yes. because they are not good-looking cars. No. So two of my best friends the wagons, in high school had these. The wagons are cool. They're yeah, they're cool because they're a little more. They're different. They look cooler. They just for they look a little spaceship like for some reason. Yeah, they look better. The hatched. sedan, not a great looking car with the long taillights in the back. Um, yeah. Uh, the sing it's a single turbo, intercooled, yep. 2.2 liter, five cylinder engine running Bosch Motronic, which is what came up came out right after CIS. Yep. Essentially, so 20 valve had the MAF system. That's right. So it's it's referred to as the O34, which I now I realize that why it's O34 Motorsport. That's right. I didn't know that either. So these had 230 horsepower stock, 260 yep. pound feet of torque. 
Um, the Quattro was cool. It's a, it's the first on these is the first generation Torsen system, the T1, okay, which is the all mechanical yes Quattro system. And they still which have is, the locking center diff button on these. That's right, and you could uh, it would the the differential the the torsion would move the drive power. It's 50-50 split, okay, but it could go up to seventy five percent to the rear. Oh, cool. Um, so this was of course preceded by the Audi A2 Group B car, right, which was also a twenty valve turbo. They had a ten valve turbo mm-hmm. version of that as well, but everybody kind of likes the 20 valve turbo one um, which is basically the sport quattro yes um, and you could make power super easy yeah, on so these things doll you remember the dollback golf yes 1000 horsepower <laughs> 20 valve turbo engine yes. there's many variants of this engine there's many more than i actually knew that there was okay um in in the like the uh 20 valve version that ended up in the rally cars there's a lot of different things that they did mm-hmm. uh, but anyway you can put a zillion miles on these things they run forever yep. and the 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 engine is because of what it was bred from, which is that rally heritage, yeah, it is massively over-engineered. It's strong. They last forever. That every single one of these is usually three hundred thousand miles and green. <laughs> this one so is one hundred three thousand miles and black. The two oh, is it a local car? No, it's not. I know a a good friend of mine that just sold his black URS four. Yeah, this is the original owner that's selling this car. Wow, it's that's really cool. cool. If anybody wants a link, let me know. Yeah, I'm not absolutely. Gonna buy. All right. Go ahead. So in that similar vein, I was looking at maybe a more modern, uh, I'll say, version of a rally car. Okay. So this is a 2002, the Bug Eye Subaru Impreza WRX. Now you certainly can't get this into the hatchback thing. No, this is uh, before the hatchback. This is the Bug Eye, which is before they went to the. I can't find a good picture of this damn thing now. I know what they look like. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, this is you certainly can't get into STI territory for five thousand dollars, but you're just barely scraping into how the bottom are of the, these. How much are the two point five RS Subaru Impreza? Those are actually RS. going for more, believe it or not. Those used to be dirt cheap. I know nobody wanted them, but they're they're lightweight, they're simple. But now you just bolt in an STI engine because everyone makes a kit for it. It's uh, like throwing those, an LS in the thing, that and is, they're just monsters. Those used to be five dollars. Yeah, were so cheap. So this you're just barely getting into this generation. So this one has a hundred forty-seven thousand. This years? is O two. Okay. Uh, this is an Aspen White O2 Impreza with the two-liter turbocharged five-seed manual and, of course, the all-wheel drive. So I didn't go into too much in so it, but Subaru's all-wheel drive electronic or mechanical? or It's how? mechanical. Okay, yep. so is it superior or not as good as? Probably not as good did they drive up Audi. A, did they drive up a ski lift? They did not. And actually, oh, I remember the story <laughs> I was going to tell you about that URS for. So my buddy in high school had one, and I remember we are so like. Do you call him the Ur? Because no, we, you, I see my group are. of friends over here calling the Ur. It's the Ur. Yeah, no? I don't know. It's the oh, UR. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, I were like drifting around in the snow in winter, as you do when you have one of these things. Right. And he takes it a little too aggressively and plows off the offside ditch into the snowbank, and it's right by my parents' house. And I'm like, I get out, and it's like we're up to our knees in snow. And I was like, you're not getting out of this. He gets back in, hits the center lock button, and just backs right out. It's incredible. It's Those amazing. things are monsters in the snow. Absolutely. It's, the thing is, is that if it would do the same thing would happen if you had like an Audi 4000, yeah. which is way even way cheaper. You, you could and moderately better looking. Mm, aren't they bigger too? No, an no? Audi 4000. No. Okay. All right. All right your next car. I'm rubbing my hands together for this oh, one. This geez. is the one that's a bad idea. The <laughs> Maserati Biturbo. Oh, gosh. This is the one that's actually a something underneath, right? No. There was one that was like a... 
Mazda or something underneath. So this was the first mass production effort by Maserati. Okay. And no one knew what was about to hit them. <laughs> <laughs> the bi-turbo was designed as a step-down market for Maserati. But previously that, they'd been, you know, making like, you know, kind of more one-off expensive. So, so this was like the common man. We're going to sell a Maserati to the common man. Yes. Yeah. So they were controlled by Citroen for a very long time and cr- cranked out a bunch of the wedgie cars that you know. Yeah. Enter Alejandro de Tommaso, who acquired yes. the ailing Italian sports car maker in 1976. He wanted to bring the flair of Maserati to the regular Joe. This is the first bi-turbo engine for any production road car, by the way. Really? Yeah. Um, it's a two-liter V6, and oddly enough, the fuel was delivered by a single Weber carburetor. Just to adjust the carb, the entire pressure chamber had to be removed. It is an absolute nightmare. <laughs> they are a nightmare. Um, oh. There was leaky cylinder liners on the 1984 model year, which had a nearly 100% failure rate. <laughs> and this motor only had three valves per cylinder, too, which okay. is really weird. That is an odd. Three valves per cylinder, leaky cylinder liners, and a single Weber carburetor. Oh, my gosh. No intercooler. Wow. Just jumping heat into that car. Still, it made 185 horsepower and only weighed 2,400 pounds. So it actually got around pretty well. It did, and people were really happy with them at first. (laughs) Until... (laughs) They did 0 to 60 in 6.5 seconds, which was great. Um, Basically, the car ended up being a comedy of errors. It could have been a really great car. The interior quality was also not that great. While it looked great, the cabin was assembled mostly from low-quality materials. The dashboard, for example, was covered with a fake leather surface that needed only three or four years to start cracking. <laughs> the Bi-Turbo was the product of a desperate, underfunded company circling the drain of bankruptcy, and it showed. Uh-oh. If you collected all the service advisories, it would be like the Encyclopedia Britannica. 1987, however, they got fuel injection and an intercooler. Okay. Okay, but here's the thing. The boxy styling cues were synonymous with the day, like an E30 M3. And the F1-derived 2.5-liter engine that they had, though slightly unpower- underpowered, was the first ever to include a bi-turbo kit for everybody. Right. Eventually, the company dropped the bi-turbo moniker in place of the Ghibli. And, well, yeah. those just became boring. This is not the only Maserati on the list, I will only say. Oh, I can appreciate that. So, <laughs> so I, was, I was thinking when I said this is the weird joint effort, Chrysler TC, which is basically That's their right. like LeBaron or whatever. That was later. The TC by Maserati. Which Look at the shift knob. Terrible I just car. sent you a link to the shift knob in a Maserati. Is that factory? factory? That is the factory shift knob, and it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, good point. First of all, I'm just <laughs> looking at like a wood shift knob that looks like you ingrained it yourself, but it's a circle of... It's a dog leg. Right, but the way they have it laid out, it looks like you you shift in a circle or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely stupid. But here's the thing. They look pretty cool. First of all, they look cool. Okay. Second of all, the interiors look cool when they're in nice shape, and they they look comfortable. Okay. Third of all, there's... Looking, okay, hold on. Looking comfortable and being comfortable are very different things. Something looking comfortable is not good. What is one thing that I like about cars? The way they look? <laughs> and I'm going to say this multiple times. Martyrdom. Oh, and there's, and I would love and to... And yet you don't like my chair sitting in the corner. What chair? The chair you always make fun of that's not at all comfortable. It looks good. Yeah. But I don't want to sit in it. See? That's this, the same see, the as this is, interior. But this thing has this DNA in there that's like it's it's a V6. It's by turbo. Eventually they were intercooled. And I found a couple. Like I found this one here. Yep. Um, I, I went to like sold bring a trailer ads a lot. This one was 5100 bucks. Okay. And it only had 56,000 miles on it. 
And it was because a, you could never drive it because it never ran. That's probably <laughs> true. It's probably true. But the interior just looks wild. I, I'm not going to argue with you. That's one I would love to drive. I want to own it. I want to drive it. I want it. It can't be. It's one of those. It, it can't, can't be that it bad. It can't be that bad. Can it? After buying a Yugo. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Yugo is certainly more reliable, I would think. Yes. All right. So this is a little bit of a wild card. You're not going to like it. Okay. The 1998 Jeep TJ Wrangler. What? What's a TJ? That's just the chassis, the okay. style. So it's a Jeep Wrangler. This is the second generation Wrangler. It's got square headlights. Nope. The TJ actually had round for a minute, and then they went to square again. Okay. It was weird. But for five grand, you got the iconic styling. Basically, these things never look old because they're all the same. They look the same. Right. It's like the Porsche of the off-roading world and the fact well, that Jeep Cherokees are the same way, too. They were forever. And you can look at one, and you're like, well, I don't know if that's a 2001 or a 1993. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but the Wrangler for sure still basically has that same exact formula. Why are these so formula. cheap? Because usually they're Wranglers super are... super cheap. No, usually, I mean... This is the cheapest one I could find for $4,999 with 150,000 miles on it. It's in somewhere. True I bet Auto it Mall is. In Connecticut. So it's rusty. Probably a little rusty. And my dad actually had a TJ, and the frames notoriously just rust away. Like, just gone. Like your chassis will just bust in half. But it's a manual trans locking diff. Like, I just think they're cool. You can take the top off. If you haven't done the Jeep thing, Chris, which I know you haven't, I'm not, not. going to get it, but it's fun. It's cool. It's fun. This one's probably reliable because the four liter is basically a tractor engine that they made. Right. So it'll run forever. Not maybe as long as that Audi, but you don't have to deal with boost leaks. That's true. I, I could get down with one of those. I okay. think that would be it's, fun. It's, like I said, different on the list than I everything think, else. I think I'd rather drive a Suzuki Samurai. Why? They're weirder. Yeah, I do like the weird factor, for yeah. sure. And there's swaps you can do. Like, you can put a TDI in them and stuff, which I think would be fun. You could put a Hellcat engine in this thing. <laughs> yeah, then you'd end up like Kevin Hart rolling down. <laughs> Except you'd just do a wheelie the whole time. So, again, kind of a wild card, but That's it's a different good. type of motoring fun. I, I like it. I would, I would drive one of those. Okay, on my list, this is the last one I have for $5,000, the Mercedes 190E. Mm -hmm. And you said you don't know anything about these. So this, so I'm going to tell know. you a little bit okay, about it. Go ahead. All right. So this was this is a compact executive car. Okay. Which I found, I'm like, okay, well, what the hell is a compact executive car? A compact executive car is a premium car larger than a premium compact and smaller than an executive car. Okay, so there you go. let's just put the two words together. Why not? Compact executive car is a UK term, part of the D segment in the European car classification. Oh, so it's part of their whole tax bracket system. Yes, right. So they may have performance and comfort features and thus are often viewed as status symbols. So this is the W201 chassis. And okay. Mercedes always does W123, W140. Why, w why W? You have any idea where that came from? I was I thought I was going to look it up, but I don't remember. <laughs> I forgot to look it up. I was <laughs> gonna, right. I knew you were going to ask me that, and I was like, oh, I'll write that down. Yep, but I no, got distracted. That's right. So this car was researched from 1974 to January of 1982. It was its development time. 600 okay, researched. Interesting. Yeah, so this was this article that I read was in was a UK article. So it's 600 million pounds were used to research this. And that's $2 billion in today's money. Jeez. Mercedes claims it was massively over-engineered, which didn't really happen again until the W140 chassis. Okay. Uh, the, the E stands for Einspritzung, or mm -hmm, as it does. fuel injection. So these things were KE. They were there were some carbon ones. We didn't get carbon one of these in the United States, but okay. um, they had Bosch KE Jetronic, which is... Basically, CIS with an oxygen sensor. 
Oh, okay, sure. Right. So it's it's got some control. It's just not like a open loop system. It's, it's right. It it kind of knows what's going on. Um, a regular dude model came with three engines. A two point regular dude model. Regular dude models. Regular dude That's model. Because there was so many different versions of some of these cars. With and Mercedes. if you're the regular dude, you have the regular dude model. You have the regular dude model. Okay. That's, I'm talking about regular guy in America buying a car. Okay. I can't get into what's in Europe because it's just ridiculous. You can start getting out of control with engine codes and everything else. Uh, they had a, a turbo diesel, a 2.3 four-cylinder, and a 2.6 inline six, which was 160 horsepower. And Wasn't the diesel just painfully slow? No. The turbo diesel stuff that Mercedes made was tolerable. Okay. It was tolerable. Okay. The... Naturally aspirated diesel stuff from Mercedes is always atrocious. Yeah. Like the 2.4 liter diesel in a W123 240D is the slowest car you will ever drive. Probably not, but it's the slowest car I've ever driven. Wow. Dangerously slow. Don't like them. Needs an engine swap immediately. But these are turbo <laughs> diesels. These are, not, these are not like that. So an E30 at the time was 166 horsepower. So it's really, really competitive with the E33 BMW. The 3 yep. Series. It has an independent five-link rear suspension. Um, it actually is a really, really complex suspension that works really, really well. I'm trying um, to figure out where the fifth link is here. Because that's independent rear. Yep. You have two A-arms, basically, are your links. Where's your fifth come in? I don't know. I saw a diagram of it. Like It was five-link. Um, so, the, of course, there was the 16-valve version, the EVA 1 and EV 2, but sadly, those are in another price bracket for sure. I imagine. So, AMG wasn't part of Mercedes-Benz back then, but they would tune in Europe. You could get your, you could take your little 190E over the AMG, and they'd give you another 25 horsepower. And well, that's all you'd get? But, well, yeah, with your car, you take it, hey, tune this for me. But they did make a 190E 3.2, and it was the first model sold through AMG-authorized reseller with a Mercedes-Benz new car warranty. That's cool. Which is kind of neat. Um, series production ended on eight, uh, April 13th of 93 after the manufacture of approximately 1.8 million of There's these a lot of them. Have been sold. Um, so the big problem with these, so the good thing about these, they're boxy, they're comfortable, okay. and everything Mercedes has done kind of stayed the same. The gauges are really familiar if you're a Mercedes guy. The transmission, the way it shifts... It goes into gear is very much the same. Okay. Like my C class, other my C class, I guess it has white gauges, but um, even my W140 that I had, which was a 98, which is 10, 15 years newer than these, the gauges look the same. <laughs> it's just like an orange needle, yellow number or yellow tick marks. Yeah, it's very, 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 very similar. Um, the seats are pretty comfortable. Very German. Why would we change it? It, it works. It works. The only problem with these, and it, this is every Mercedes made in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, the vacuum system is oh. atrocious I, and uh, so many cars in the 80s across the board but yes german stuff these, everything these is, have a vacuum distribution block yes that is it's basically a vacuum computer it runs the transmission shift points the <laughs> locking and locking of the doors on the diesels it will shut it off when you turn the key it closes a vacuum diaphragm in the ignition switch oh to my shut, goodness to, to close the fuel off on the mechanical yeah. injection pump because it's all mechanical Wow. So if that doesn't work, you have to get out, open the hood, and hit a... There's like a... <laughs> a on the injection button. button, there's a stop button that says stop, and you hit that with your palm, <laughs> and it turns the engine off. Um, I, I feel know like you, you've had to do this before. <laughs> I have, absolutely. I've had a couple 300 diesels. Um, I know you don't like these things, but I think that you should open your eyes a little bit, and okay. instead of seeing them, instead of seeing who buys these cars, uh -huh. just actually look at them as like the 80s boxy car that they're virtually indestructible and here's the thing yeah. you buy one you can get there's there's one that i found that i'm actually interested in maybe buying this car amongst 
many other of these cars at five thousand dollars because I'm I'm actually gonna uh, drive something different. I can't drive the C43 in the winter, so I gotta find something else. So there's are you keeping the AMG that no, you have? No, I'm not gonna keep it. You're gonna get rid of it. Why can't you drive in the winter? Because I don't want it to rust. It's too nice, basically. It's too nice. Someone else is gonna take it and drive it in the winter. It won't be me. That's okay. fine. That's like saying, well, if you dump this girl, the next guy's gonna beat her. You can't dump her. <laughs> can't do that it doesn't only if you were dumping her because you didn't want to beat her (laughs) (laughs) anyways i'm like so there's a silver one that's like five thousand three hundred dollars he says five thousand firm it's silver with like an ox blood red interior that's kind of cool it's it's pretty rad but why is it every movie where it has to do with like a warlord in africa he's driven around in one of these because they just work I'm not kidding. Okay. I, they just work. These are the taxis. You know what I'm talking about, though? Like, 100%. Yeah. This, this or a G-Wagon. Yeah. There's, they're driving around the Mercedes stuff. It's usually a, an E-Class, like a 300E is what okay. they're usually driving. They run forever. They don't break down. Even when the vacuum system doesn't work and the air conditioning is not working, everything else, they just run. They're over-engineered. They don't break. They run forever. And here's the thing. They made 1.8 million of them. So they're always going to be able to get parts. They're true. in the junkyard. They're cheap. It's a great car for under five grand. Okay, here is my last one in the five grand category, and I think you might be able to get behind this one. Okay, a nineteen. This is going to be a long episode. I know. Jake. Well, a nineteen ninety Chevy C four Corvette. You can get yeah. for five grand. Yes, this particular one. I I tried to make it like reasonable because some of my considerations were, of course, fun. Yeah, how many miles the car had. For the most part, I'm trying to look at lower miles for what it is, yep. because then you have to factor in maintenance. You know, it has to be a clean title, and yep. all of these I'm looking also. You know, are they going to keep their value? So this has 74,000 miles on it, forest green with peanut butter top. It's a convertible. Oh no! The convertible makes it cheaper. That's why it fits in this bracket. The oh, no. C4. It's convertible, oh. automatic. That's unfortunately, like, that's immediately like you know when uh, what's the show where it's like the X pops up? What is the Family Feud when the X oh, pops up? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, this yep. is Im- this you is say uh, convertible. Uh, it's immediately. Uh, it's convertible. Me. It has BBS wheels on it, which might have been factory actually. They were. So well, actually, I think they were. Were they Male? Oh, you're right. They I weren't they actually were BBS. Like BBS. Well, back then, BBS Male kind of the same. Type. Sure. Okay. All right. But, I mean, that's really all you need to know. A C4 Corvette you can start to get for five grand. Convertibles especially because they're a little less desirable. So I have a couple cars that I would never own that are in this price bracket that I just wanted to mention quick. Okay. Ford Focus SVT is in this price bracket. They only made 3,000 of them. And they're these, a fun car. They're naturally aspirated. Yeah. They're a cool car. They're fun. Mark yeah. IV GTI is in this price range. They're easy to tune. They're yep. cheap. And they're in the junkyards. The parts are everywhere. So if you want like a fun Now, there's hatchback. a version of the Mark IV GTI that's on my list later. Yeah, there is. Uh, it's on my list as what not to buy. Um, and then there's another another collectible Mark IV is the 337, which is in the 20th anniversary. And that's those also... Aren't, those aren't in this price bracket. And the Volvo V70R, you can kind of get for like five, six grand. You really? Get, yeah, you can get like a high mileage one. But I don't like the all-wheel drive system in the Volvo V70Rs. It's kind of like a nanny state. You can't mm. really... The Haldex and stuff, you can't really mess with it. It won't allow you. Nobody's been able to crack the Haldex system in the Volvos to change the balance or the bias of the tires. If you watch, there's a Top Gear episode. You watch Clarkson try to drive the thing. He's like, I can't do anything. This is a great car, but it's making me angry. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. So for the 10 grand bracket, I have one car. Just one car? Just one car. Okay. It's because A, I got lazy, and B, I couldn't find a car that I liked better than this. Okay. What is it? So I'm going to let you go first. Okay. The Toyota Master Ace Surf Skyline. Also known in America as the Toyota van. Wait, what? Yes. Is this the Previa? 
No, this is way before the Previa. So this, I'm not. One thing I want to note that they call it the Master Race, yeah. which doesn't seem like a proper name for a formerly Axis country. <laughs> yeah, it's called the Master Ace, but it's they have it as one word, so it just looks like Master, Master Race. Race. Master. Oh, Race. I got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I just got um, it. Much of the vehicle's mechanicals were based on a Toyota Hilux, including the suspension. It is a torsion bar. You have no idea what this vehicle is. No clue. Okay, so this is a van, and it looks, and it definitely 100% preceded. Here, I will send you a link. I'm so looking know. right now. Oh, interesting. Is it going forward or back, Chris? Exactly. Here, I'll send you the one that I found. Specifically. Yeah. What year is this? So this one that I'm sending you is a little newer, but I really like the ones that are a little bit older, like mid-80s. Okay. Um, so these are four-wheel drive. The four-wheel drive Japanese models. JapaneseClassics.com. So you can get these. This <laughs> okay. Is, this is in, you can import one, pay okay. the duties, pay the fees, pick it up, drive around. It's like a Japanese Eurovan. Okay? okay. So they're all-wheel drive. They have locking differentials, skid plates, manual transmissions, including a transfer case with low and high range. That's cool. In the Japanese market, a wide range of accessories were available, which if you import one, you will get, including refrigerator with ice maker. Nice. Seven-speaker audio system. And a color television. Really? Yeah. Not a black and white, a color color television. What I love about this thing are the 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 skylights. When you see pictures from inside of these, it feels like you're driving around in a space exhibit. Like, yeah. you're, like if you were at this thing's so clean looking. They are rad. They're super rad. Um, is that an inclinometer? In, inclinometer on the dash? It is. Yes. So the Catalina package for the Mastery Surf the included Catalina a removable package. Included a removable loft bed that became bunk beds. So these have a four YE engine. It's up to hundred horsepower. They're not super like powerful vehicles. Okay. I'm guessing you could probably swap something. Well, um, you don't like I said, need the it. North American markets called it the. I don't think we got the one with all the windows and everything like Probably that. Probably not. We just got what's called the Toyota van. Yep. Which is, <laughs> could we not come up with something better nope, than that? No, we couldn't. Apparently, Previa was the next answer. Um, yes. And, so have you ever seen the High Ace? No. The Toyota High Ace? No. I always thought it was Hayachi. Okay. But it's actually High Ace. Like you've got Master Ace, High Ace. Okay. <laughs> so these are actually the High Ace is the newer one. They're really, really common in. Oh, the, interesting. I have not seen Indies, that. Stuff like that. Sure. Um, in other parts of Europe, it was known as the Toyota Space Cruiser. It's aptly named. 100%. Some other models were named Wonder Wagon. <laughs> I like that. In 1986, the model year, uh, Esprit model was finished in a unique light blue color with a white wave pattern on the lower half of the side profile. A unique bronze colored plaque was affixed to the B pillar behind the drivers and passengers doors that said Spirit of 86 inside a globe. Um, once you get into the 90s, they look stupid. They start to look I, like a Previa. And then I love some of the Japanese naming structures from like especially the 80s, 90s. Yep. Because you know it's like they knew enough English to know kind of the name or the meaning of the name, but not enough didn't translate well. And they just couldn't bust out $1,000 to fly over something no, like No, no. So English. they're like, it's the high ace. Or so there's so many other cars like that where it's like weird names that don't make sense but are kind of cool. So for ten grand, you can get a van that's all-wheel drive, Yep. locking differential, High and low transfer case, tons of windows. Um, would get good fuel economy. You could go exploring in this thing. How much is a Eurovan with Synchro? They're like forty thousand dollars. Ten grand, you can have almost the same thing. Definitely more reliable because Eurovans are a nightmare. They're yeah, an absolute nightmare. So, uh, guys, look this thing up. Go find one. If you buy one, let me know. It'd be a great adventure vehicle. I w- oh, so the seats in the b- the back seats like yeah. pivot and they face each other. Oh, that's cool. So if you got kids, they can like turn around and face each other. And they can and kick each other. They can kick each other. Hang out. <laughs> I love the windows in this thing. The windows are so good. Yeah, 
I like it a lot. What do you think I of this wouldn't thing? buy one. Why not? But it's cool because it's so unique. It is very different. unique. It is. Yeah. All right. All right. My one pick in the $10,000 car category is a 2001 Honda S2000. Okay. No? Underwhelmed? You can get an S2000 now for 10 grand. This particular example has 138,000 on it, but it's the F20, not the F22, so it's the better engine. It's Honda, it runs forever. The only thing you had to worry about in these were the rear differential, I believe, was kind of underbuilt for it. But have you driven one of these things? I have not. I'll okay. Say that. You need to drive well, probably a Miata first because a Miata will seem super disappointing after you drive one of these. <laughs> you just put your foot down and the thing just revs like an F1 engine. Yeah, they rev out nine grand. Nine grand. I remember, the only problem is I remember racing one in my 24-valve GTI and just spanking it. Yeah, but when you drive one of these in anger, like the way they just rotate and the way they handle and they're balanced, but ten, so but cool. But 10 grand? Yeah. For a Honda? Yeah. Okay. What, you think that's a bad deal? I don't know. They just, the build quality of Hondas is never really there. I mean, the engine in this thing I know is amazing. Yes. But I think of like the knobs and the buttons and the seats and everything else. These are just, pretty cool. The thing is, is the hardtop makes this car. The it's, spoon hardtop. Is it an aftermarket thing? It's the fastback. Yeah. That's a, that's, those things look fantastic. Those things are awesome. They look fantastic. They're yeah. like these things half also, the price of the car. Sl- really? Yeah. Slammed? They look pretty dope. Yeah, but that's not lower. why I'd have one. They just drive so well and handle so well. They need to be lowered with a little bit of a wider wheel. Sure. A little they bit. Have. That's okay. fine. All right. So on my list, uh, I actually only picked two for this. I used to, I couldn't find. There were so many in this category that I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. So, but I guess I deleted one and only kept two. Um, is the Porsche 928. Yeah. Which you can get them cheaper. In fact, um, what day is it? This will No, this comes out tomorrow, so I can't say anything about it because I want to... <laughs> You're gonna message this guy, aren't you? Uh, so how did <laughs> so how did Porsche get away with making this car for 20 years? Do you think? It's what do you just, mean? I don't, it just isn't a great looking car at the time. You at have the to, time I'm, it was futuristic. I'm, but at the time it just it wasn't really selling that well, and it just didn't. This was do supposed well. to be their flagship. They I were know, betting it, on this. So thing. this is a grand tour, and the 944 and the 928 were really meant to take over for the for the 911. Yeah. When it came out in the 70s, however, the base prices were much higher than the 911. 911 was 20 grand. These things were 30. Wow. So they're really really expensive, and the the previous range topping 911 model and the 928's front engine water cool design alienated. Many Porsche purists. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, okay, this is 1978, 79 when this thing came, up, came out. It's only like 25 years since the 356 was there. Was it 25 years for a brand wow. to be in, be in existence enough to get a bunch of like pure-blooded right. That's, people? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I just don't know that I... That's what everybody says, but I, I don't know. Um, the interior center console, these is great. It's kind of Panamera-esque. Yes. It kind of comes in sweet. The center back stack is you. very tall. Yep, yep. So it's a 50-50 weight balance on these. Yep. And it's got a V8. And it has something called the Y-Sock Axle. Yes. Which is a really cool rear suspension design that under braking and weight transfer, um, it tows the opposite direction as most rear-wheel drive cars do. Okay. So normally, the way, uh, I'll just read to you. The goal of the Y-Sock Axle was to eliminate lift throttle oversteer, mm-hmm. allowing the rear suspension to adjust itself during corner maneuvers. When the vehicle is decelerating, the trailing arm pivots towards the rear as the wheel is pulled backwards relative to the chassis. This results in tow out, which makes the vehicle unstable. So what they did is instead made it tow in, sure. which actually helps increase the stability of it. Um, I love the bulbous rear end of these cars. Um, I know you like the design. I like the flip-up headlights. Manuals are really, really, oh, yeah. really, really rare. Yes. Very hard to find. 
If you happen to find one, you should probably buy it. <laughs> or let Chris know. Or let me know. That's right. All right. So notable, but I would never own, um, is the B4 Audi S4. You could get a really nice B4 Audi S4 in this price range. You mean B5? I, uh, B4 is B5? B5 is the twin turbo 2.7 yeah, so, liter. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Then B5 Audi S4 twin turbo 2.7 liter. Yeah. Um, I like the interior on those. The seats are oh, comfy. It's so comfy. Um, but I just, Audi just seems like a punch. We had one for a minute. I, yeah. Even your RS4 just seems thick and fat. They and are. Heavy. And it's just, I can't, I'd rather have an E46 M3 because yeah. it's just so much more engaging. But you're not going to drive in the winter then. Well, you could with snow tires, but yes. I mean, the only reason to buy one is being here where we have snow. You know? Right. I mean, it makes sense really here it. as like an all-weather performance car. Um, the BMW E30, which are now in the $10,000 bracket. Which is nuts, which isn't I don't, it? I don't feel like they're worth it, so they're not on the list. And the Rabbit Mark One GTI, which is now easily eight to $12,000. Um, and again, it's weird how going to a higher tier bracket suddenly makes a car completely No, undesirable. I do. I love the B5 S4, but man, they were a nightmare. They are bad the turbos were went out and yep. well that's what the main thing i heard is valve covers leaking and mm -hmm. the turbos going out turbos go out and you have to drop the engine to get to it Oof. then you put ko4s in and everybody's happy yeah then you're making <laughs> good money good good money good power good power uh what else was i gonna say oh the story about the 928 yeah. so i've written in a 928 a couple times and my first time i was in high school and it was a friend of a friend and i hopped in with him and all of a sudden we're doing 130 on the freeway and i didn't know this guy Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty sweet. All, All right. right. So $15,000 bracket. How many cars do you have in I this? have three cars in the $15,000 bracket. Okay. So do I. Go for it. Okay. First one. BMW, so we've had no. None, no crossover. No crossover whatsoever. whatsoever. Um, the BMW E34 M5. Oh. You have sinned if this is not on your list. No, nope, not on my list. Wow. At no price range. Nope. This is peak BMW. To me, the most desirable desirable BMW ever. I don't really like the M1. I feel like that's some supercar thing. That's sure. a different world. The e uh, I've driven an Alpana, Alpina E28. That didn't do much for me. And that's I, I hear that's really, really similar to an E28 M5. Okay. So I'm not really interested in those. It didn't but really do it for me. E34 M5. E34, which is uh, like 93 kind okay. of in that period of time. Um, someone would argue that E39 M5 is the best BMW ever, right. but BMW made their laurels on the inline six. Ah, not that's a V8. What this is. That's what this is. This is the last hand built M car. Huh. So this was all assembled by hand in Germany, not just the engine, the whole thing. The shells were transported um, to Garching, where the car was assembled by hand over a period of two weeks. It has an S38. Um, we only got a 3.6. Okay. So, but there was a 3.8 liter that had 335 horsepower. It's way over square, individual throttle bodies. What do those things rev to? I don't know. Hmm. I'm not sure. Probably, yeah. Well, being over square like that, I mean, it's a big. Yeah. That's a big inline six, no matter. It how is, you cut it. but they're silky smooth too, as is kind of always the thing with BMW six cylinders. They are. They run. They're great. That's one of the nicest things about them is how smooth mm -hmm. the engines are, and that's all of them. All the inline sixes. Well, until you get into some of the turbo stuff, it kind of loses its appeal for me. So the wheels are cool. They're M system wheels. Which is okay. basically turbo fans. Yes, yes, that's right. Turbo fans. They basically bolted. No, Chris. According to BBS, they are cooling cones. <laughs> that's true. But they have <laughs> turbo fans on the wheels. Yep. Um, I don't know. Hand built engine, individual throttle bodies, dual intake plenum. Um, these are creeping up into the twenty grand mark now for something very nice. Wow. And it's a very manual trans. Yes, that yeah. is cool. Yeah. So it's it's a very understated car. Yeah. If you're not a car guy, you're not going to know what it is. Yeah. It's. You know, the E34 chassis is, like, pretty cool in that way. Um, it's the last car where they didn't put Lexan over the headlights. 
You know, it's, you know, like the E36, yep. the headlights are behind plastic. Yep. So this is the last one where the round, the four quads are still out front, right. which for me is very BMW. It's iconic. Yes, it, it is. It is iconic. And the grill is a reasonable size. The kidney grill is, is a normal size. <laughs> um, they're great. They're great. I want one really, really bad. I just, the uh, individual throttle bodies, I would totally get behind. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So my $15,000 car, my first one, is the car I bought for $15,000 about eight, not eight years ago. Jeez, how long has it been? I don't know. These have not moved in value at all. This is the Mark IV Volkswagen R32. Did you actually look at prices of these? Yes. They're it's actually in the 20s nuts. now. They're in the 20s. It's nuts. You can I see get ones for 30. You can get offer. one for 50K or 15K rather. So they are in our price list. This one has a it's basically got an issue with the door so it's fixable but it's not by any means a pristine example i wonder if you can still find the tornado red ones that shedded their paint because <laughs> every tornado now, red, they're just primer gray <laughs> all the clear came off all, i know every, every single, single one. one yep i know but i there's so much to love about this car the all-wheel drive that vr6 manual trans oh it just it ticked all the boxes for me i loved this car it's still a fifteen thousand dollar mark IV to me Agreed. It's a very expensive Mark IV. I think people are asking way too much money they for are. them. I think 100%. it should be eight to ten thousand. Makes it more reasonable for yes. me. It's still a Mark IV. The seats are more for fat dudes. I don't fit in the seats very well. They're very wide. They're not yeah. tight seats. I think some of the sports seats in the like the twenty four valve VR six uh, Mark IVs are a little bit better. Oh, like, interesting. They're a little yeah, these narrower. Are the Koenig. Koenig seats. Yeah, why do they do that? I don't know. I don't love the look of them. Yeah, they're very wide and broad, and they almost look like Vaders out of like a 996 yep. GT3, sure, but way worse. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, I just th that they exhaust sound great. Sound. Ugh. It's unmistakable, and yep. they, that's why they call it a Wookie. You know, they, yep. It's yep. basically the, the Wookies in the woods is the name of the get together for all the dudes that love these things. Yeah. I just at the price. It's it's another car that I put in the cannot buy because it's more expensive. I think I had a good buy 15k, however many years ago, and then sold it for ironically like 13, 12, five or something. Well, they did they, they have fluctuated a right, bit. of course, but now they're way back up. Well, that's because people are looking at the newer R's and they're all unreliable. They're and not. They don't have that sound. They don't have the sound anymore. The Mark V R32 was DSG, yep, right? No manual trans. And then Everyone so they hated that. The Golf R came out, and yep. those are two liter turbo. They're just it. It lost its way. They totally, totally. lost it after that. I know. That. All right. So on my list, this is definitely not going to be on your list. I can almost guarantee you that is the Bentley Turbo R. Oh, geez. Have you seen these? Do you know oh, what yeah. This is? Okay. So this car was basically designed to chauffeur people around or cover great distances without feeling anything. Yes. Um, this is really the only sporting Bentley, in my <laughs> opinion, since the 30s when the original owner of Bentley, Walter Owen Bentley, succumbed to the Great Depression. He didn't die, but the company did. Okay. Um, 1952 had the Continental R, which was the fastest sedan in the world at the time at 120 miles per hour. And then we have this car. This so, is the Continental R? No, this is the Bentley Turbo R. The Continental Turbo R was, that's in, right. was in the 50s. Yep. So at some point, I didn't actually look it up, but I know that Rolls-Royce and Bentley basically merged. Yeah, I remember and that. And Bentley just became like this, like, sort of a Rolls-Royce type of thing. Yeah. It was not a good look, and nothing ever really, really came out of it. But this was the first car that people considered a true Bentley sporting car again. Um, it, was, it was like the uh, the silent sports car is what some people call this thing. It's a body-on-chassis masterpiece. Bentley never released horsepower figures, but it was somewhere between three and 400 horsepower and 500 pound-feet of torque with a top wow. speed of 150 miles per hour. Remember, 
This is the late 80s yeah. that we're talking about here. Even some Ferraris of the time had 250 horsepower, other than wow. like the 385 horsepower Testarossa. Until 1983, Bentley was just a Rolls with a Bentley girl. It's lame. <laughs> um, Peter Ward took the reins in 83, and then he made the, uh, oh, what is it called? The, the Bentley Mulsanne. Okay. Was made. This is kind of looks like a Bentley Mulsanne. If you look back, you can get a Bentley Mulsanne for less than ten thousand dollars. You can own a Bentley really? for eight grand. Um, so, what is that okay. like to maintain? I wonder. So they have like you know the the hemispheres that Citroens have. The entire brake system is run off of that. Oh, like a big reservoir, hydraulic yeah, like, reservoir, like three, four thousand million psi brakes. <laughs> right. But you don't feel anything when you brake the car. It's just like just. They That's just, so weird. Breaks. So they took a silver shadow, essentially, and then they added uh, new shocks, huge sway bars with like 100% more stiffness. The <laughs> R in Bentley Turbo R stands for road holding. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So they had huge tires. These things are CIS. Oh, gosh. Yeah. A turbocharged CIS massive V8. 6.7 liter V8 with a huge <laughs> air research turbo. They weighed 5,200 pounds. They were massively overbuilt, massively oversized. The doors were enormous, heavy, and thick. And when you think of a car that uh, sounds like a bank vault, yeah. when you open it, shut it, it, is, it is this. It is 100% this. A couple of interesting things about this car. Um, the floor mats are sheepskin rugs. They're super thick. They're actual They're sheepskin. actual sheepskin rugs. <laughs> the gas gauge is also an oil gauge, which what? is something that goes way back for Rolls Royce and Bentley. Basically, if you hit a button on the dash, there's it'll it'll swap the gauge display for the fuel over to to oil. So it'll are these dry sump? No, then they're not. How does the gauge work? I have no idea. Okay, I I don't know. Um, it has a country horn and a city horn. The city no! horn, the city horn is much louder than the country horn. What do you think the original MSRP was? The Hold on. Things? I've never heard the country city horn thing. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, or like the, the country that horn is, is very quiet it's and more nice. polite. It's yes. very polite. That is the coolest feature I've heard of. <laughs> that's, the, oh, that's my favorite feature so far. <laughs> um, they made uh, the original MSRP of this was $200,000 in, in the 80s. They made a special edition called the Milliners. One feature okay. that is neat about these is that it had a predominant a prominent uh -huh. speedometer for the rear passengers. They built 56 of these. They're oh, very expensive. So the passenger can see how fast That's you're right. going. Um, That's the, cool. The Bentley Mossad could be had for cheaper by half, but it would not be a turbo R. It's the same engine, but it's not turbo. And I don't know what they make for power because Bentley never released any numbers or anything like that. Wow. I'm trying to see how many of these they made. Uh, they made probably... Over the course of the entire run, I think like right. 3,000 of them. Oh, production. Uh, Turbo R, they made 5,800. The new Turbo R, 1,300. Turbo RT, 252. There's the Milliner Edition. Short wheelbase, 7. Long wheelbase, 49. Yeah. Wow. Exceedingly rare. Very rare. There's one going up for, it's coming up for sale. I wonder what it'll go for. But you can get these things for 15 grand. Wow. And you could drive a Bentley with 500, 600 foot pound, pound feet of torque. That's nuts. It would be wild that would be wild the problem is is i have to imagine i know cis pretty well <laughs> i do not want to maintain this thing i don't want to maintain well i don't want to maintain i saw one for sale the guy's like yeah i just it, i think it was on bring a trailer just put twelve thousand dollars into the suspension he's selling it for like 15 i'm oh. like oh my god the bath this guy is taking is made of no blood kidding. <laughs> oh my goodness it was really really bad so notable i would never own in this category i only have one okay but it's kind of cool but i wouldn't own it as a ford model t you could get a really nice all original Ford Model T for fifteen grand, Interesting. which I think would be interesting to drive around for probably a couple days. 
And then I think you'd want to be tired. Don't they have a weird driving, like, foot pedal situation? It, like, goes forward. You have to adjust the... The timing is the on t- the steering column. Yeah, it's got a knob, so when you start it, you, you know, you... You retard the timing. And right. You can pull the timing back up once it's running and warm. You can actually change the fuel mixture too by hand up at the steering wheel as well. That's an airplane thing. You can still, in any like Cessna or anything, they all have fuel adjustment. Got to be able to do it. It's not like yeah. you're going to get out and change it. No, I all guess right. not. 20 grand. I, no, no, no. I haven't done my 15 grand. Oh, you got more. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. I already said the R32. I blasted right by you. No, okay. I'll do these quick. No, uh, no, no. It's the okay. one is probably fairly not obvious, but it's probably on a lot of people's lists the Boxster, Porsche Boxster. Okay, you can actually get a 987 chassis, the kind of updated headlight style for 13.5. I found this has the manual. It's mid-engine. They, what are you, what are you looking at? Oh yeah, okay. All right. So before I get into my last fifteen thousand dollar pick, okay. let's take a moment to talk about Oberk Car Care. Oberk is your premier source for detailing compounds pads, and polishes. With 15 years of experience, the engineers over at Oberk have made a simple, holistic system that really takes the guesswork out of paint correction. As I mentioned, I'm certainly no detailer by any stretch of the imagination, but this system I really like because it's so simple. They give you a pad, they give you the compound, and then you move on to the second step, which is another pad and another polish. It's awesome. You can use it on anything from that uh, crazy Bentley that Chris mentioned, or maybe that Model T as well. So I wonder how much paint that Bentley has on it. Oh, it I'm sure more. it's thick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be sure to check Obert Car Care out at obertcarcare.com and use the code OVERCREST to get 15% off any order over $35. And they'll even toss in one of their famous Eagle Edgeless Towels for Overcrest fans. And, Chris, we're coming up on the end of our contest that they're yeah. holding. Oh, so okay. on Instagram, if you go over there and post a picture of your car's paint with the tag win Oberk. If you follow, of course, Oberk Car Care as well as Overcrest Podcast, they are going to pick one lucky winner to receive a free car care kit. All right. So what is your last $15,000 car? My last $15,000 car, as I alluded to before, is another Maserati. The 2003 Maserati Coupe Cambrio Corsa. This is a only 36,000-mile car. It has... The V8 out of a Ferrari. You know what I don't like about it's these rear things? engine. The little shift knob thing is like this little tiny little dory. That was a little... it was a Ferrari thing. Yeah, it was supposed to be like a little like because it's electronic. You don't have to like put it into gear. So what? But why do they have to make it tiny? It's just I don't know, so it's very fiddly. Tiny. It's a very fiddly. I would thing probably just, like have it like turns a, me a off thing the whole car. machined. There was like a big one that you like kunk. It should still feel like something. But it's it's basically just a little toggle. Maseratis switch. are supposed to be far more delicate than a Ferrari. Okay, interesting. I think. All I know is these things sound amazing. It's that Ferrari V8. It has only come in, you know, the paddle shifted automatic, which is lame. I've raced these things with my 911 and absolutely wrecked them. I don't care. That's sound, man. Yeah, I, I would even, get one of these. I couldn't put, even like, hear it over the sound of my car. It's not a Ferrari. <laughs> it's not a it's Ferrari. It's not a Ferrari, but it's the closest you can get in 15 grand. It is the I'll 944 of Ferraris. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I like 944s. Okay, but it's not a 911. It'll never be a 911. Every 944 guy that I've I've met guys at the gas station, okay, at, with, that have a 944, and they go, "Oh, hey, nice 911. That's pretty cool." He goes, "You know, my car's got 50/50 weight distribution." Right? <laughs> like, Come on, man. I like 944s fine, but you don't. It's this Napoleon complex. Thing. I know the interior on these things are awesome. I would like to drive one. It's a GT car. Yes, they're they're cool. They sound great. They I'm do. sure they're very comfortable and hideously unreliable. 
Yeah, maybe. I think they probably, probably. are. <laughs> Don't take our advice. Don't buy <laughs> All right. $20,000. Yes. My first car. Yes. A 91 to 1994 Dodge Viper. No. I looked. You can't get these for 20 grand. I saw them for 20, 23. No. Yeah. I looked. I, I wanted this on I my list. To, I went to bring a trailer and look for sold. They were like 24, what 23. Year? The, the, the early, the 91 to 94. Yeah, what year were they sold for 20 grand? Like 2018. All right. There's not very many of these for sale. There's not a huge pool to look from. I to guess find. not. But look, I bring a trailer. Okay. The history is there. Huh. It's there. All right. I, I figure, agree with I figure this. anything from 20 to 25 qualifies for 20. Okay. All right. So I, have, I was like, I was strict about the price. You were. a dollar more. Okay. I was, I was a little more gung-ho yeah so this was originally injured near to be a performance car obviously the viper contained no exterior mounted door handles or key cylinders and no air conditioning the roof was made with canvas and the windows are made from vinyl and use zippers to open and close yeah. like a jeep wrangler it's basically a targa really yeah right? it is yeah it there's no airbags thing. in the interest of weight reduction no traction control no so abs cool. it's the closest i'll ever get to a lamborghini since they uh they own chrysler owned lamborghini at the time right and they helped with the design of this engine which was based I on chrysler's la v8 it, v10 weighs 711 pounds which seems big yeah <laughs> um, it is a big engine the porsche engine that we have in our car is about well yours is less because it's magnesium mine is around 450 pounds uh it generates uh, 400 horsepower yep. 460 pound feet of torque and gets around 12 miles per gallon if you're lucky. Great. So Perfect. these things weighed 3,200 pounds, which is cool. Um, they kind of remind me of a 911, how they basically are just monsters that want to kill you. People will constantly tell you to just be careful in a Viper or ask you, <laughs> how, how do you deal with the driving dynamics in one of those just like they do in a 911? I like I, it I, I like. I love it. I and really like that. Yeah. So do you I, have any others at 20K? Oh, yeah. I've got three. Okay. Next one is going to take a while, too. Okay, then I'm just going to go for one at 20K. This is not a good buy. Okay. But I love it. All right. It is a Land Rover Defender 90 that you can import for 20 grand. Okay. You don't have to say much more. If you don't know, the Land Rover Defender 90 is the iconic boxy square Land Rover that you can't get in the U.S., but now with the 15-year law as well as the price point, you can right. import them for 20K. 20K. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Yep, and I would do that. Okay, moving on. <laughs> All right, before we get into my $20,000 picks, why don't you tell us a little bit about Petrolbox? Absolutely. All right, so Petrolbox is a monthly subscription service specifically for the automotive enthusiasts. Each month, they carefully select items that range from tools, detailing supplies, apparel, cool shirts, garage gear, stickers. I've seen them throw magazines in there. And they send them all right to your doorstep. There are actually two levels of the subscription to choose from. You can get the Petrol Box Basic, which costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrol Box Premium gets you much more gear for $39.95 a month. Be sure to check them out at mypetrolbox.com and use code Overcrest at checkout to get six dollars off your first month's order. So you only have one car in this category. Me? You. You're I had also I'm hesitant. I owned a 996. You owned a 996. I put it in here because this is the price point you can get a good one for. I thought, I thought that was kind of a too easy of a choice. I like know that's why I'm not even that. listing it. I have it on my list. And I wouldn't buy a regular 996 again after I owned one. <laughs> so don't buy one. That's true. I mean, I've already been there too, but mine wasn't anywhere near as cool as yours. So my next car on this list is the Mercedes Gelendwagen. 
the G wagon. You can get a G wagon for twenty. The cross country vehicle is what Gillenwagen stands for. I was looking at a nineteen eighty three three hundred GD. So let me tell you a little bit about the G wagon, and then I'll tell you about this. This is the only Mercedes I like. The G wagon. I'm glad you like this one. Yes. So yes, another Mercedes. This one, however, is cliche. However, to be cliche is built like a brick shit house. Yes, well, the G-Wagon wasn't is. originally a Rodeo Drive cruiser where the most expensive thing you carried around was a Chihuahua. Somehow <laughs> this butch square original utilitarian truck has been adopted as a status symbol. Yes. But it was not always that way. No. It was the a first, military truck. The first G-Wagons began uh, were hand-built in Graz, Austria. They were available in three different body styles, a two-door convertible, two-door wagon, and four-door wagon, and of course, would not even counting the, the amount of military variations on this right. is like because they would do whatever yeah, you want it like this and then they would just yes if we make them for you and there was millions of versions of the g-wagon right um one of the first early bulk orders came from the shah of iran for his military but the islamic revolution deposed him before he could have the order fulfilled oh the original 460 series gillen wagon went on sale in 79 after having debuted in february of that year it was offered with two wheelbases, short wheelbase and long wheelbase. Mm-hmm. They sold 50,000 of these, mainly to military and off-road enthusiasts. One could choose uh, between oh, I already went through that. We never got the first we never got the first 10 years of the G-Wagon. Okay. Basically, but due to gray market stuff, some got in until 1987 or so when that was overturned. Right. Importers sold a number of G-Wagons, G-Wagons which have been modified to meet the specifications by the US Department of Transportation. They cost 135 thousand dollars yes at the time very r- ridiculous that might have been where it started here because the crazy idiot luxury g-wagon owners i think that must have started here with guys that were paying one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. yeah them. anyway um for 1985 differential locks central door locking and a tachometer became standard and by 86 over fifty thousand g models had been produced then came air conditioning and recaro seats followed by electric windows in 1987 in okay. 89, the G-Class received its first major styling update. Though Mercedes kept the utilitarian looks, it transitioned the G towards luxury with a special civilian-only line that featured burled wood trim, leather seats, cruise control, and analog brakes, as well as running boards to make getting in and out a less intense affair. Anything after this doesn't really matter. The American sold G-Wagons just got really expensive and appear to be driven by the desire to show off wealth and excess. Mm-hmm. There's no reason rich people should want something with a flat windshield and exposed hinges. It, and it was originally a military vehicle. 100%. This would be like the Jeep Wrangler somehow being a luxury symbol now. It doesn't make sense to The me. G-Wagon, all it stands for now, to me, yeah. is that you're too good for a Jeep and too German for a Range Rover. That's all it stands <laughs> for to me. That's I it. like that. However, here's what's cool. Yeah, You can get a 1983 300GD for 15,000 pounds, which is about 18,500 bucks. Okay. And there's two to three thousand dollars in import fees, and you're at about 20 grand. So the 300 GD had the, the engine out of the 300 turbo diesel in it. And this is the short wheelbase, from what I'm seeing. Yeah, they're like 105 horsepower, something like that, 130 pound feet of torque. Um, it's the same engine in the 300D, which is indestructible. Yeah. Like the 20 valve turbo motor, this one is probably even more reliable. There's no electronics whatsoever. It's a tractor None. engine. It, it's Way more reliable than a tractor engine. All it has, <laughs> it is engine, mechanical pump. Yeah. It is basically a vacuum. That's all that this thing is. You can turn it off by putting your hand, excuse me, over the intake, which is right. what you would do if it runs away anyway. They're, they don't need the battery to run. You can pull start them, and they just run. Wow. You don't even need a battery. It's the ultimate apocalypse vehicle. Coupled with its kick-ass off-road capability, it's yeah. the ultimate 
get the fuck out of Dodge vehicle, in my opinion. I like it. It doesn't get any better than this. And the thing won the Paris Dakar in 1983 (laughs) and came in second in 1982. Guess who was driving? Jackie X. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So also, of note, many dictators have owned G-Wagons. Yeah. Muhammad Muhammad Gaddafi from Libya, Kim Jong-il of North Korea, Uh Saddam Hussein and his sons, and the Pope. Also had a G wagon. <laughs> I like that you throw that in there. Yeah, why not? It's okay. a good place to put that in. I love these things. They're these so boxy. Cool. They're so cool. And I think it's kind of neat that you can get one. Getting one of these would be a big f you to anyone that drives a new one because you can tell these things look way different. They don't have oh, all yeah. the trim, all the chrome, You're all right. the accoutrements. No HIDs. No running boards. No. I mean, but you can still see that it's a g-wagon the only thing that is left on the new g-wagons is the door handle not that any other cars have the same stuff that they had on them 20 yeah. years ago but is they, that a fact that the, yeah, the, the handles the, the same? Door handles are the same the, the, <laughs> the door shutting and opening sounds exactly the same that's cool which is which is kind of neat all right so uh the last car on my list okay twenty thousand dollars yes these range anywhere from 15 to 25 up to 40 60 80 but you can get them, and probably the interior needs to be reupholstered before you want to get in it. Okay. Type of price for eighteen twenty. Okay. The Lotus Esprit S two. No, hundred percent, all over the place. You must have just been searching. I was. for days for some of these because these got are cars here. I thought of. So I got here looked. at. I was done with half this list, and I got here at nine thirty this morning, <laughs> and I sat here till five p.m. Just looking around, there are you can get them for eighteen, you can get them for twenty. Really? The interiors are toast, though, man. Yeah, I mean they need to be. Redone. And they're not turbocharged, so it's just the four cylinder, just the two two liter, yep. two point two liter four cylinder. But they still but look like a Lotus. This list needs a wedge car. And to hell if I'm going to let it be a Fiat X19, <laughs> which I wrote that statement and then later on read that the irony of this is that the S1 has X19 taillights. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. On <laughs> um, the Lotus Esprit, especially the er- early ones, red, not V8. All the V8 Esprits that are in the 90s and newer don't do anything for me. Um, all the old ones look the part. They look super retro. They look mm-hmm. super 80s, 70s, 80s. Um, this car was meant to take over for the Europa. Sure. And you know the Europa is the weird looking boat looks car. like a like a tiny El Camino or something. It's yeah, just, but there's has, no luggage back there. It's just that's where the no, engine is. In the early 70s, it was prototyped as the M70, but was known to the public as the silver car. The silver car. That's it. Development continued with production of a second prototype known as the red car. <laughs> so okay. this is a Jajari design through and through. He also designed another great car, the Rabbit, yep. uh, which obviously is nothing like this car. Um, they had either a 2-liter, a 2.2-liter, 140 or 160, up to 180-horsepower engine. Um, a special one at the time had a turbo, it was called the Essex Turbo Spree. Yes. You are not getting one of those for twenty grand. But no. they are unreal looking. They came with three-piece wheels. They're super rad. We're blue and red and chrome. And the livery of the Essex Overseas Petroleum Corporation, the sponsor was, of Team Lotus in 79. Yeah, and it said turbo on the side. Yeah, well, some of the other ones said turbo, too, as time went on. The okay. others. So none of those that I said uh, talked about till now are under 20 grand. To get into the 20 grand category, oh. you have to get an S3 which came out in 1981. And these looked like that the S4. Essex. They, no, the S4 is where things got all round, and Jajario oh. quit designing them. Okay. In the 90s, Jajario was done. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Who knows? <laughs> okay. So the Turbo Esprit retained the aerodynamic body kit of the Essex cars and featured prominent Turbo Esprit decals on the nose and sides. Everything after that got too bubbly and too complicated, although some of those can be had for around 20 grand as well. Notable would never own Volkswagen R32. 
at 20 grand. At 20 grand. Wouldn't yeah, I went either for 20 grand. I saw them all over the place for 20, 30 grand or best That's offer. And I just can't can't do it. That's nuts. I, w- I love, I love, so everybody just plug this into your phone right now. Mm-hmm. It's Turbo Esprit Essex. It is Turbo Esprit. Unbelievable. I'm going to, I'll send you a picture, right? I'll just text you the picture I'm talking about. I got it. Yes. Blue with the red and gray livery. Oh, it is absolutely phenomenal. Hopefully this is the picture. Well, I'm going to use this picture for the the header of the entire article because this car is unreal. It looks the bee's knees. (laughs) You see it? I see it. Yeah, it looks good, doesn't it? It does look good. Can you see me driving that thing? Uh, Yeah, because it's blue. (laughs) (laughs) I would see myself probably doing the majority of things, working on it. And just to prove to you yeah. that I did find See, one of these. The Viper, I think, out of the ones I couldn't believe is my pick. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's a very cool car. So here's a 1985 Lotus Esprit Turbo, black with red for 17500 or best offer. It's got 46,000 miles on it. Partially redone interior on the roof and bottom have a paint-matching wrap to the oxidizing of original paint. Well, no that happens. History, rebuilt motor, transmission clutch, suspension brakes, and more. Recent smog runs, but needs some work. Seventeen grand from the three-quarter view. I think it's the taillights. Kind of looks like a DeLorean a little bit. It does, doesn't it's, it? When you uh, when you look this car up and on Wikipedia, or whatever it says, also look at DeLorean. Seriously? Yeah, it's it does have a little bit. The taillights it's are a little the three-quarter. Yeah, but this thing's way cooler than a DeLorean. It's way. Oh, agreed. You know, I, I love this thing. All right, that's it. We're done. Don't buy any of these cars. <laughs> <laughs> buy all of these cars. Hopefully you guys agree with me. I'm sure there's lots of stuff that I left I off. I love that okay. we didn't agree on anything, except I couldn't find the Viper. That was one that I was looking I for. I did find the Viper on Bring a Trailer. So for in the last couple of years, they have sold for low 20s. And I think, and I was thinking about, and I justified it by saying, okay, if it's sold on Bring a Trailer for like 23, 24, mm-hmm. you have to be able to get some shitty one for like 18. <laughs> if you sat and looked and waited, they've got to be there. I'm going to start looking. Do it. Please buy a Viper, Jake. Please do it. All right, guys, that's it. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Hit us up on patreon.com slash overcrest. Support the show. Tell your friends. That's it. We'll see you guys on Monday. Take care. Bye-bye.